It said, everybody, get up. I don't know what that means. Let's uh, uh, don't get up. But uh, uh, what, a, what a joy it is for us to gather together, and, and we're thankful that uh, uh, here at First Norfolk on Kimsville or here at First Norfolk on Volvo, uh, we have the opportunity to take the time to recognize our dads. And I know that uh, there are many dads in the room that we uh, want to just celebrate you and and I can think of no better way to do that than to just take a moment and pray for you. Uh, so uh, whether you're at the Volvo location or here at the Kimsville location, will you just bow your heads right now and let me just take a moment and pray for the dads in the room. Father, right now, as you are the perfect loving Father who has graciously um, oh, welcomed us into your family, not because of our pedigree or our perfection or our performance, but only because of your great love and grace. I thank you, oh God, that you have been the perfect Father, the loving Father, uh, who opens arms to us even in our rebellion and stubbornness and invites us into your embrace. Thank you for being that kind of dad to us, oh God. Now I pray for the fathers in the room that you would help us, um, help us on our journey, uh, regardless of where we are on that journey of being a dad, whether it's um, a newborn about to be born, uh, a baby about to be born, or a newborn baby, or uh, whether it's uh, an empty nest or children somewhere in between, I pray, O oh God, for the dads in the room that we would be strengthened by your might according to your good pleasure, that we might be the dads that you want us to be to our children, and that we would uh, grow to be more like Jesus so that we reflect your glory uh, to our sons and daughters, that they might see Jesus in us and that they might fall in love with you, O oh Lord in part by how they see us, um, how they see you in us. Now, I pray that you would use your word to speak to the hearts of all who have gathered here, but especially to our dads, uh, and help us be a reflection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, I, I, today is Father's Day, and I'm thankful that uh, I can celebrate my dad who uh, loved me through thick and thin and loved me in great uh, and gracious ways. I'm thankful for my dad. Uh, my dad is stylish, and he always has been stylish, I'm sure. Um, um, he is a man of fashion. Uh, I, I'm not sure that he would call himself that, but but he is a, an individual man who uh, uh, understood the styles of the time. Um, yesterday, uh, he was in town, and we were uh, uh, traveling. By the way, we, we were, uh, he was wearing jeans and a black shirt, and I was wearing jeans and a black shirt. I looked just like my dad. Uh, but as we were traveling, we were talking about different styles at different times, and my earliest memory of being with mom and dad and, and, his mom, and, and my dad's mom and dad, uh, I, my older brother and I were about four or five or six, and uh, we were traveling uh, up the East Coast. We lived in 
Knoxville in East Tennessee, and we were, uh, it was a vacation, so we started, I don't know, maybe Myrtle Beach, and we made it all the way through, passed through Virginia Beach uh, during that time, and went all the way up to Maine. And, and I, here's my memory. I, I don't remember a lot of things. I remember New York City. Uh, I remember crashing waves uh, in the New England coast. I, I remember that, and I remember my dad's style. It was a, uh, it was either orange, I think it was orange, may have been green, but it was orange, I'm thinking. Uh, orange polyester onesie <laughs> with a belt buckle that snapped right here, zip up onesie belt buckle. It was happening, <laughs> seared into my memory. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it, it was, uh, I'm sure it was of the fashion of the day. So y'all still wearing those 70s uh, polyester onesies. It's time to let them go. Uh, but anyway, Dad, was, and, and I was just thinking this morning as I was praying through my message, I was thinking about, well, but Dad has always been a man of style and fashion. And, and that meant at times that his lapel on his jacket was as wide as his shoulders. And his tie was as wide as his waist. Uh, but, but dad has always remained stylish. And at 75 years old, he is still stylish. He's preaching today in Texas. And I'm pretty, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure uh, that his look is going to be something like this. He's wearing uh, some really cool shoes. I mean, cool shoes, not tennis shoes, but cool shoes. Um, he's wearing jeans as he's preaching. Uh, he's got on this great-looking shirt, uh, and he's wearing a vest, and he is looking sharp. I mean, he's styling. He's stylish. And, and I'm thankful that uh, he, he didn't hold on to his 70s polyester onesie. I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'm also thankful and even more thankful that even though his uh, wardrobe choices changed over time, uh, the one thing that mattered about dad never did, and that was his Christian wardrobe. Now, that's our series today. We're talking about what, what we are to wear, put on as followers of Jesus. And, and that's, not, uh, uh, that's not a polyester onesie versus um, uh, a, a pinstripe suit. Um, when we talk about a Christian wardrobe, we're talking about reflecting the character of Jesus in our everyday life. It's what we looked at last week. If you were here last week or if you watched it online, it's, it's uh, Romans 13, verse 14, where the Apostle Paul and God tells us, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. See, it's putting on Jesus. It's, it's embracing who we are as followers of Christ and living that way. And, and so my dad has always demonstrated, for as, as long as I've been alive, my 51 years, he has always demonstrated the character of Christ, not perfectly, but consistently. And uh, he has shown me who Jesus is, by how he's loved me and lived uh, in front of me. And uh, dads, he is, he is a great model for me to follow and one that, uh, that I have uh, fallen short of many times, but, but uh, it, it's, it's a great uh, pattern for us to emulate. We need to show Jesus uh, to our families. 
Um, but that being said, what we're going to look at today is, is uh, what are the new things that we need to put on? Now, polyester is old. A polyester onesie should be gone. Uh, don't hold on to That's a style that is not going to come back into fashion. Uh, parachute pants. I'm pretty confident that my parachute pants can go in the dumpster. Do y'all know parachute pants? That's my 80s uh, vibe coming along. You know, my 80s vibe, parachute pants. You do a Google search. Wikipedia will have a whole page on parachute pants. Anyway, I'm pretty confident that's a style that's not coming back into fashion. Let it go. Um, today, uh, as we look at our lives, we need to understand that as followers of Christ, there are things we need to let go, but more importantly, there are things that we need to put on. Um, as we look at, uh, at these uh, new garments that we're to wear, uh, the reality is we, we have been given this character from Jesus Christ, this, this new way of life. Uh, our passage today, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to look in, lean into verses 12 through 14, but, but at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, set your mind on things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. He, set your mind on things above, not on the things on the, this earth, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ, uh, in Christ with God. Now, we've died to ourselves, and now we live to Christ. We have a radical transformation. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not just that you decided to be a part of a church. If you're a follower of Jesus, there must have been a transformation that's taken place inside you and me. There's, there's a change that has taken uh, that has shaped our lives in a different way. Our sin has been forgiven through his death on the cross for us. And his resurrection from the dead. But that, 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 that death and resurrection not only forgives our sin, but it gives us a new life and a new way of living. And so down in verse 10 of chapter 3, uh, God says to us, we are supposed to put on this new man. This, this new man, it, 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 by being renewed uh, in the image of him uh, who created us. And, and we, we, we need to grow up and be renewed every day in this knowledge of Jesus who created us brand new uh, when he uh, died on the cross for our sin, was raised from the dead. And when we by faith repented our sin and, and came into relationship with Jesus in that moment, that transaction of God's grace, when God brings us into his family then we have been made new, and our journey is to be renewed every day, to become more like Jesus, to be renewed in the knowledge of the image of Him who created us. And so as we look at our life, we, we need to understand that, that we have this new life through Christ, but it is also a life that must be renewed every day, that, that, that we should be living a certain way because of being made new by Jesus Christ. Okay? So, as we look at that, my prayer for you and for me today, and this is, this is my prayer for us, prayer for my family, my prayer is that, is that we might 
today experience and know the joy of our relationships, the satisfaction of a purposeful life, and the power of God's pleasure. That's my prayer for us. And the way we get there, the way we have joy in our relationships, and the way we have uh, 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 satisfaction in a purposeful life, and the way that we have power in God's pleasure is when we put on the new. And look at verse 12 of Colossians 3. He says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing with one another and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. Verse 14, and above all else, beyond all this, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So as we look at this passage, let's let's just kind of break it down a little bit, and then we're going to look at, at what that means for us. How do we let go our our orange polyester onesie, and, and let's put on the new. Um, the, the truth is, we can get out of sync really quickly. Our life can get out of sync, our relationships can get out of sync, our church can get out of sync pretty quickly. And it gets out of sync when, um, when, when we fail to recognize my, not your, my responsibility to live the way I've been called, to live as a follower of Jesus. Um, you know what it's like when you drive a car that's, uh, whose wheels are out of line, um, and, and it, you know, it can start very, very, very uh, uh, subtly. Um, out of line wheels, and maybe it's just a slight drifting of the car to the left or to the right, and wheels out of line. But, but if you're like me, that that slight, subtle kind of out of line is not a big deal. So you let it go, and you let it go, and you let it go until uh, you're driving at 45 miles an hour on on, on um, uh, I-64 when everybody else is driving 80 miles an hour. And the reason you're driving 45 miles an hour is because if you drive any faster, your whole car will shake apart because you're holding on as tight as you can to your wheel because if you let it go, you have a violent turn to the right. Uh, So you're holding it and then everything begins to shake because your wheels are so out of line and everything's shaking and you're shaking and it's not comfortable and it's not enjoyable and the car's breaking down. There are parts of your engine that are being left on the highway because of your driving And, and it's all because you left it out of line, just wheels out of line and create such carnage for your car and for your trips and travel. The same thing's true for us in our life and in our relationships and in our church. When we get out of line with who God has made us to be as His chosen ones, as those who are holy and beloved to Him, when we get out of sync with that, then chaos in our lives, in our relationships, and in our church ensues. So 
what, what God is saying to us in this passage is he's telling us the ingredients that, that keep us in line. And, and by the way, there's, you can't say, I want compassion, but I don't want patience. Uh, you can't say, it's okay for me to be, uh, uh, to, to be humble, but I don't have to be kind. See, all of these characteristics that we're going to look at are characteristics of the new. And, and we need to let go the, the, the polyester onesie and we need to pick up the new. And these are the characteristics of Jesus himself. This is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of him who created us. It's us becoming more like Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have, I don't have, we don't have an excuse as to why I don't have to practice this. And there's going to be a temptation. In a few moments, you're going to be tempted to say, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not wired that way. And I pray by the Spirit of God that he would block that excuse from your heart. So what are these ingredients? What, what are these ingredients that need to see, soak into our souls so that, so that we might, might see our, our lives and our relationships, even our church, thrive and flourish so we might remain in sync? What are these ingredients? Well, uh, the first is we need to put on uh, compassion and kindness, which means we need to enlarge our heart with compassion and kindness. We need to enlarge our heart. Uh, uh, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on compassion and kindness. Can I tell you a couple of things, and, and this applies to everyone we're going to look at. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is your requirement. This is your command. Uh, this is not a holy suggestion that you can take or leave. This is a command. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been chosen by God. Uh, and you are uh, the object of his love, uh, but you also must live a holy life. And living a holy life means that you will be tender-hearted toward others, and you will be kind toward, toward others. Compassion is, a, is where my heart feels for you. Kindness is where my hand stretches out to help you. And you've got to have both. And by the way, it does us no good to say, well, I'm not really wired that way. Uh, my, uh, my family, those closest to me, would probably say uh, that in my, Eric Thomas's natural inclination, uh, he is not naturally wired to have deep, heartfelt feelings for people uh, that are going through stuff. Or not. Uh, that... This is true, and, and, and I, I make jokes about it. My wife says I don't have a heart, and I make jokes about it. But can I tell you, for the last, um, and Edie would be able to tell you, for the last four, five, six years, I have been praying like the tin man wanting a new heart. I've been praying to be able to feel the way that Jesus feels, to have a heart the way Jesus has a heart? You see, just because I may be wired dysfunctionally in such a way that I don't have a heart for others doesn't mean that that's the way I'm supposed to remain. In fact, when I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel, I have to confess that as sin in my life. 
The same thing's true for kindness. It's, it's not merely that I have a heart to feel, but it's also I stretch up my voice and stretch out my hand to help. We need to enlarge our heart with compassion and kindness. The way we know kindness is God shows us what kindness looks like. Kindness, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, is, is God sending Jesus to us. Even though we were hostile toward him, even though we were separated from him by our sin, Jesus came our way as an expression of God's kindness toward us. To rescue us from our sin and from our condemnation and from the, the, the pit of our shame and the cell of our, uh, of our sin. He, he came to rescue us. And, and so when we look for what kindness is, look to God. This is kindness. Romans 2.4 says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's, it's, not, it's not the judgment, it's the kindness. You get that? Romans 2.4. If you write that down, look that up. Do you not know that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? It's looking upon this wondrous Gracious, loving Father who, in spite of our uh, sinful rebellion against Him, says, here is my hand outstretched for you. Come into my family. Come back into my home. Now, that's, that's what daddies do. Can I ask you a question, though, as, as kind of a test case um, to see if there's... Um, some level of compassion and kindness that maybe you need to enlarge. And, and this is not really a political statement. I, I, I know that I get in trouble anytime I talk about contemporary events and you send your email and people leave the church, literally leave the church whenever I do this. Um, and, and it's not that I want anybody to leave the church uh, except if you're here for the wrong reason and you're not going to stay for the right reason. I don't want you to leave the church. I just want you to hear from God himself. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, I'm just trying to give you what God says. And, and some of you, no matter that whole preamble, you're still going to take this as a political statement and, and think that I'm meddling in your business and I don't have any business doing that. Um, so um, uh, I, 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 have, I have preambled this as much as I can. All right? So when you watch the news, and again, this is not a political statement. You will not hear me make a political statement. I'm making a biblical statement. All right. So when you watch the news and you see a child taken away from his parents or her parents because of that parent's immigration status, do you think, well, they deserve that? Do you think... Uh, they should have obeyed the law? Or do you think my heart breaks for them? How can I help them? Now, I know that each one of y'all are measured in part by your politics, and all of us have philosophy and all that kind of stuff. But there is one main ingredient that if you're a follower of Jesus, you and I are supposed to have, and that is we're supposed to think Christ-like. And we are to live Christ-like. This is not a political statement. This is a Jesus statement. 
when Paul says, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on compassion and kindness, that's not an optional thing when we don't agree with the immigration stuff. Uh, It is a necessity. If you think first they deserve that, then you need to repent sin. If you think first uh, that uh, they they deserve that, then you need to repent sin. If you think, uh, oh, my heart breaks for them, compassion, how can I help them, kindness, there, there is where we look more like Jesus. You see? And I know, I know that, that, you know, I already things happening on my social media because of this, but it's, I'm not kidding. It is my responsibility to help you and help me think in a way that is biblical rather than a great way that is political. And today, God is more interested in... Not, he, he doesn't care if you're Republican or Democrat. What he cares about is whether you put on compassion and kindness. Does that make sense? Are some of y'all mad at me? Okay, all right. It's okay. It's okay. Um, all right, so we need to enlarge our heart. And you might say, well, how do I enlarge my heart? I don't have compassion. I don't have kindness. That's not part of my makeup. Well, the good news is you have the Spirit of God residing within you. And the Spirit of God is at work right now making you more like Jesus. And, and the good news is, is if you will talk to the, uh, to the Father in heaven and, and cry out, as have I, oh God, will you enlarge my heart with compassion and kindness, he will begin to do that. And, and as, a, as a result, for me, how does he enlarge my heart? He gives me my youngest daughter graduate, graduated on Friday from high school, so uh, that's one thing, and, and baby girl graduate, going to college, and then the first of my four daughters is going to be married this coming Saturday, all within a six, seven day, eight day period of time, and I'm a puddle, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is God enlarging my heart with compassion and kindness, making me feel what I should be feeling. It's wonderful. And terrible, all at the same time. (laughs) Enlarge our hearts. Second thing we need to recognize uh, is we need to put others before self. So what what he says, put on, therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on compassion and kindness, uh, humility and meekness. Humility means that you consider others more important than yourself. That's humility. that, That is the biblical definition of humility. It means that you look at someone and you say, they... Uh, need to come before me. And meekness goes alongside that. Meekness is not fighting against it, but rather with a gentle spirit say, yeah, um, you need to go before me. It's giving up your place in line for someone else. Meekness says, I don't, I don't, uh, humility says, I don't deserve a place in line. Meekness says, I'm willingly relinquishing my spot in line. Um, Ultimately, what what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be putting others before self. Isn't that what dads are supposed to do? Good dads are supposed to do, put others before self. The needs of my children outweigh my wants and desires and even my needs at times. Uh, I'll work an extra shift in order to put more food on my table or put clothes on my children's back. That's, that's sacrificial. That's putting others before self. It's 
It's the way that we should be relating in our homes and in our marriages and in our relationships at church, others before self, putting on humility and meekness. It's where we determine that, that everyone else in the room has more rights than I do. I want you to get a picture of that because that, that really is the picture of Jesus. I, y'all understand that, don't you? I mean, Philippians 2, this is the pattern of Jesus. He humbled himself, right? Uh, he, he, he didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, but he made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is the pattern of Jesus. The uh, whole world of humanity came before him. Do you get that? And he died on a cross for sinners like you and me. Now that is the model that we're supposed to follow, others before self. We get in line with, and by the way, living a holy life demands that we put others before self. It demands that we are patient with others. We must be patient with others. So put on uh, humility, put on meekness, then put on long-suffering, forgiving, I mean forbearing and forgiving one another. If anyone has complaint, forgive others the way Jesus has forgiven you. So we enlarge our heart with compassion. We put others before self. And the third characteristic is we must be patient with others. We need to be patient with others because everybody in this room is a work of art that is an unfinished project. Do you understand that? Every person in this room, as followers of Jesus, we each one are works of art. But we're still an unfinished project. And we need to have patience. To put on long-suffering means that we bear up under the load that someone else is laying on us. So when someone is mean to me, patience means I'm going to bear up under that load. He adds, uh, God continues and doubles and triples down on this idea of long-suffering when he says you need to forbear. And what does forbear mean? Forbear means that, that I will with calm confidence sit and take the hit that you are giving me And I will receive it prayerfully hoping that you get right with God. But not retaliating, refusing to allow vengeance or bitterness to take hold of my heart. And that's forbearing. And then forgiving, I'm supposed to not only be patient and and bear up under the weight of what you're doing and, and sit with calm confidence and refuse to be bitter or vengeful, but I'm also supposed to forgive. To cover it with grace. Again, this is not optional for followers of Jesus. This isn't something that we can take or pick uh, whenever we want to. This is the statement that we are to be patient, forbearing, and forgiving. Is there anything in your life where you've determined that it's okay for you not to be patient? For you to retaliate? Is there any relationship in your life where you have refused to forgive? All of those are places where I know it's hard, but today perhaps God is calling you to put on 
Let go that 70s polyester onesie and put on the character of Christ. Ultimately, verse 14 tells us that we are to cover everything, every aspect, soak every aspect of our life in love. In this wondrous love that God has given us so that when people rub shoulders with us, they are touched by the love of Jesus. When, when I am in my home and with my family, even on my worst days, the love of Jesus flows through me toward them. That's verse 14. Above all else or around everything, put on love, which is the belt of perfection. It's the one that ties us all together, the one that ties all of this together. So as the elect of God, we've been chosen by God to live a certain life. We have a way of life that, that is uh, patterned after the image of the one who has created us. And, and, and so we are called to be more like Jesus every single day. And all of us are on that journey. So all of us are, are understand the, the, the difficulty and the challenges of it. But please know there is no excuse for you to be a jerk. No matter how old or young, ignorant or wise, there is no excuse for you to be a jerk. If you are known by your truth, absent love, then you're doing it wrong. So here's, here's the mandate to us. Here's what God says to us. That we are to... Love others with this bond of perfection that he's given us. I'm so glad for a dad who has loved me with, with a, a, a compassion and kindness, with, with humility and meekness, with, with patience, forbearing and forgiving. I'm so thankful for a dad who, um, in those days, and, and there, there were several days and seasons. Those days where, like Pinocchio, I decided I was going to go away to the circus. My dad, like Geppetto, waited patiently for me to come home. And when I came home, he was ready to receive me. Stretching out his heart and his hand and saying, Eric, I love you. I forgive you, and we'll get through this together. That's my dad. It's the kind of dad I want to be to my daughters because that's the kind of father we have in heaven. And today he stretches out his arms to you and to me, and he says, come home, and I'll make it okay. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I wonder how many of us are ready to let go our 70s polyester onesie and put on the new. To put on the compassion, the kindness, the humility, the meekness. To put on the long-suffering, the forbearing, and the forgiving. To put on the love of Christ. That means for some of us, we've got to lay some of our sinful things down. We've got to lay down the excuses that we've been giving as to why we can refuse to be kind or tender-hearted toward others, how, why we can re refuse to be humble before others or meek. 
And today, as God has spoken to you, he's telling you this is something you've got to lay down and maybe you're ready to do that. The good news is that God's arms are open. He is inviting you to come to him. Whether you're near to him or far from him, Jesus is the avenue for you to find life with him, for you to experience the joy that you long to know in your relationships, for you to experience the satisfaction that you've always hoped for in your life, to experience the power of his pleasure and his presence in your life. This, this Jesus is the only way for you to get there, and he opens his arms to you and he says, come. The Father is ready to receive, to embrace, and to welcome you. And I invite you to come today. Lay down your burdens before the Lord. This altar will be open for you to come and and lay your burdens down. If there's hurt in your heart, if there's confession in your soul that needs to be made, if there's repentance that needs to take place, if you need to just cry out for forgiveness, this altar is open for you. Come, the father's arms are open wide. Like the prodigal coming home uh, to his father, the father runs to meet the prodigal. He's waiting for you. He's longing for you to come. Will you come? Maybe you need to come to this altar and lay down the old and pick up the new. Or maybe you need to come to this altar just crying out for help. You need kindness in your life. And burdens that you don't know what to do with. There are going to be ministers here at the front. And we're ready to pray with you and pray over you if need be. If that's your heart's desire. So Father, in this moment as we have gathered in your name to worship and adore you. As we, as we lift our hearts and voices to you. As we, as we bow our knees before you. As we run into your arms, our loving Father today. I pray that you would soak our souls with your presence. That you would restore joy to our relationships and satisfaction to our lives. I'll be glorified as we worship you in this moment. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.